Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Wow! Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Today is Friday with Friends, and I have a new friend, Nathan Hershaw, with me today. Nathan is a ex-professional dancer. He graduated from Juilliard. He is brilliant, and he is also a yoga teacher and into creative coaching and spiritual evolution. We talk about all the things that he's up to, and he is truly a genius. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome, Nathan. So happy to have you on today. Happy to be here. So I have heard about you from our mutual friend, Kim, and she describes you as a genius. So I really want to backtrack and just talk about what you're doing now, but first talk about your background that led you to where you are now, because you're quite young, if I gathered that right. (laughs) Yeah, I'm 21. Oh, geez. I didn't know you were that young. (laughs) Wow. No wonder she said you were a genius. Okay. (laughs) My background is pretty interesting, actually. I grew up as a elite competitive dancer and got really into it at a young age. And then when I was 15, I moved away from home and I moved to Arizona to get better training. And I was competing at national level competitions. It was my senior year. I was all in. I had put so much work in. It's like grand nationals and I didn't win. And I was so upset at the time because I was horse blinders to this goal. Like I didn't know if it was snowing outside, raining, didn't even care. Everything was about this sole purpose. And then I had to go to college. And because there's not really a career for, you know, (laughs) for graduated uh, competitive dancers. So I went to college, but I ended up getting into a really great school. I went to Juilliard for dance, which was amazing. It really opened my eyes to the world of art. And because before, you know, I was doing competitive dance, but it was more like a sport than it was really an art. I really understood how to make my body do shit that my mind wanted it to do. But I didn't understand self-expression and I didn't understand authenticity. So in my first year at school, having a hard time adjusting because I was so programmed to want to be the best and be better than everyone. And all of a sudden, now I'm in a new environment where I wasn't. 
and I had to learn. And I had to decide that I was going to have to put my ego aside and I was just going to have to be open. And there was many days of crying, looking at myself in the mirror in the Juilliard bathroom, being like, what am I going to do? Am I going to quit dance? You know, Because I just couldn't handle that I wasn't the best at it. And I had a lot of pressure, like kind of being a... I don't want to brag, but it, it was kind of like a child prodigy. I was this really young kid from a small town who had like all this success and all this pressure put upon him. And then um, I cracked and I didn't like serve the full goal, but I had, to, I had to really forgive myself. And I had to realize that that all happened for a purpose. And I had to open up to what else was out there. And so I finally did. And that was kind of the moment where the spiritual and the yoga and the meditative journey started. And I started becoming interested in consciousness and interested in art as creative expression and interested in creation and interested in authenticity. And then I choreographed at every student workshop. I made a piece. Every time I could make a piece, I made a piece. Um, I was massively creative and I started waking up to the fact that I was an artist and that I always had been. And I released a lot of the pressure on myself. And all of a sudden, this new world of potential and beauty and what I thought was once ugly became miraculous and inspiring. So that's kind of the backstory. And then, you know, I graduated this year and um, during the year of COVID, got out of school and thought, hmm okay, well, I've always wanted to make a business and I kind of already had one in school, but now I'm going to go full force. Now I'm going to do it. And that's what started Hive Creates. So before we launch into what this business is, all these different topics that you brought up are so fascinating and so relevant because... Um, and kudos to you for for being resilient enough to kind of bounce back and at such a young age... And I, the first topic is how we are defined by what we do and the, how ingrained that becomes at such an early age. You know, I, I think most people aren't asking 18 year olds, hey, what do you want to do for your life? They really don't start doing that usually until you're in college, unless you've already started a professional path of some sort mm-hmm. as your ultimate goal. And I know, like, for instance, my son is a 10th grader, he plays basketball. He really loves basketball. And, you know, my husband and I were talking about it and we're like, what we want for him is to just take it wherever he wants, but have the adaptability and resilience that he can do everything to the best of his ability and still, quote unquote, fail, like you're talking about. And that's not what we're taught. You know, we're taught like you put in the hard work and you're going to achieve. And that may or may not be true. We also have to teach people that it's more than just skills or defining yourself by what you do, but also what you are and how you handle the different you know, trials and tribulations that come your way. What was the significant kind of turning point beyond failing or not getting you know, this achievement in high school at the end of your high school career? How did you how did you detour? How did you pivot from that state? Like, what was it that was it one thing or a culmination of things? Because you're really young to have that experience and then be able to rebound. I think that I always had an interest in spirituality. 
And my dad gave me the book Autobiography of a Yogi when I was 14. And I read that book and felt very connected to his story of finding his teacher, of his lineage, of his devotion and trust and faith that life is here for the goodness and betterment of him. And that if he were to surrender to that flow of life and to that flow of consciousness, that he would be supported. And then I also read the Celestine Prophecy which kind of has a similar trajectory in terms of like life being your teacher and the just belief that life is here to help you and move you in the right direction. And it's always the greatest teacher. So I think that even at my most blinded and neurotic states of competitive dance, there was still this realization that there was something more than just this 3D world, that there was some magical force that was pulling all the strings. And there had to be. I mean, we're on a floating rock in the middle of a crazy universe. I mean, what is that? You know, there there was just some kind of, even at the lowest point, some kind of belief in that. And I went to a dance intensive and did a style of dance called Gaga, which was all about connecting to the sensitivity of your body and mind. And that's kind of what opened me up. I started getting sensitive to the unique intuitive cues of my body. And I started paying attention to the world around me. I started looking at the sun that was shining from the sky. I started feeling the air as I walked through it. I started seeing the souls of people that shined through their eyes. And all of a sudden I realized that the world is a really beautiful place and that there is something bigger here than just achieving some version of success that I was taught to do. Wow, that's so poetic and beautiful. Amazing. So combined with the readings that you had done and some of these dance experiences where it sounds like it was a real connection to the emotions of movement, how did you then get to the place where you are now and decide to teach people about authenticity. I'm going to also layer that with another question. What is your definition of authenticity? Yeah. I started to, um, when I started creating at Juilliard, that's kind of when I started realizing that I have a deep passion for the creative process and the process of birthing something into three-dimensional form, of moving a spark of inspiration into a real tangible thing. I mean, just that journey became everything to me. And so after school, I just started helping my friends with it. You know, they would come to me with a certain project or they wanted to embrace a maybe bigger aspect of their destiny or trek a path that is maybe unconventional to the normal kind of societal route that has been mapped out in every industry. There's always some kind of ladder that you can climb. And they they and I weren't interested in climbing that. So out of necessity, we were like, okay, well then 
what are we going to do? How are we going to navigate in this unknown territory? We needed to build a compass, our own inner intuitive compass. We needed to learn how to be prepared for what might come through in the unknown and how to be strong enough to hold the responsibility of being a business leader, a community leader, a a mentor for other people. So there was all of these things that we needed to learn how to do that I needed to learn how to do. And so out of necessity, life taught me and I was open to it. Now, I also had an amazing teacher, Guru Jagat, who has been a huge um, inspiration and mentor for me and has really guided me. So with her teachings and life's teachings, I started to kind of get the components that I needed in order to learn how to not only create authentically um, for me, but also help other people. And that kind of led me to um, starting to write my book, uh, The Artist's Quest, A Guidebook for Authenticity to creation, um, which really has been a exploration and research project of the creative process and how to align to ideas that are intuitively true and excite you and make time stop and um, lift your heart. And then how to have the strength to deliver those in, an, in a world where you know, maybe trends are more valued than that. How do you have the courage for that? So it's developing the strength for that and creating a toolkit um, for helping artists to do so too. And then the way that I define authenticity is being aligned to the creative force that moves you and creating projects that are integral to that unique expression of that force. Mm, That's beautiful. So it sounds like you've mostly been working with artists. Mm -hmm. And artists, I feel like, have a little leg up on this because generally speaking, I'm married to one. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, they're really, you're really in touch in a way with feelings, with visceral sensations, Uh, with callings, with purpose in a deeper level, I think, than maybe the general public who definitely could benefit from your teachings. But are you primarily going toward dancers, artists, or you ultimately want to have this program, this book for anyone? Primarily, it's for artists, but I do think anyone could read it and get something out of it. I do work with people who want to make art their profession. And I think the reason is, is because you have to be pretty in love with it to do that. You know, it's not a, normally it's not a super high paying career. So you look at... Not an easy path. Not an easy path at all. And in order to choose that path, there has to be a undying passion for it. And I... You said it has to be an undying passion for it. There has to be an undying passion for being an artist. And um, I really like working with people who have that um, level of passion and want to devote themselves to being a creative channel. You know, as creatives, we are channels. We channel ideas from... We could put a lot of words from it, but from source, from the collective consciousness, from 
the ethers, however you want to put it. And we bring those ideas into three-dimensional form. And I really believe that we are servants of that creative force, just like we, you know, the great mother birthed us and even just our personal mother birthed us. And, and that being the kind of root of all creation and then us being kind of servants and activators of that creative force and holding the flag in the ground of keeping that creative force alive and as alive as possible, right? Like I want to make art that makes people feel alive, that makes them feel more Mm. human, that makes them feel their own humanity and their sensitivity and their passion. I really believe when you see someone who is in their passion and doing what they love, it activates something in you. It's a transmission that wakes up your own passion. So I want to create a group of individuals who are all devoting themselves to that purpose, finding that passion inside of them and then helping others um, spark that passion so that we can create this chain and this wave of inspiration and of authentic art that is rule-breaking, that is avant-garde, that is also working to serve the evolution of global consciousness. Mm, That's so beautiful. I mean, I'm going to sign up right now. I'm already part of that. But I think that what you're speaking to is such a, is, is a broader demonstration in a way of this, you know, not again to label, but Generation Z, which is what you are, Gen Z. And with my daughter, I, I really feel there is some kind of awakening that is almost that was thrust upon you all, but what, that you are receiving with just vigor and zest. And you're like, let's go. You're not buying into the kind of traditional, like you said, job, profession, definition of success. And I think it's easier to do when there's a group that are also doing it. Like you said, that you're all kind of transmitting and really moving and vibing at a higher frequency. And it's showing that you can do something that call is called from your spirit, not that was you read from a book or that you know was expected by your parents. So I do think that you and and the rest of your generation are are just uniquely positioned to be such leaders for this global consciousness that we so need, so need. That being said, do you feel, I know you're really early on in the game here, but do you feel any roadblocks or challenges right off the bat? Mm. Well, um, I think some, <laughs> there's a lot of them <laughs> for sure. Absolutely. <laughs> I thought you were like, not having to find any. You're no, like, hey, there's too many. You know, yeah. it's just been, yeah. it's been perfect, Laura. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I think one challenge for me has been allowing experimentation and exploration because when you are forging something new, you have to explore. You can't expect to read it in a book and copy and paste it. It just doesn't work like that. You know, you've got to copy one word, put it there, then add another word from a different book, add it to that sentence. We're making these remixes and these new DJ sets of experience that have never been done before. And that takes time. And that takes experimentation and exploration. So I think 
depressurizing some of the need for efficiency and allowing the necessary time for exploration and laboratory has been a huge lesson that I've needed to learn. And then also just realizing that it's all just one big experiment. You know, you're just moving from one, <laughs> from one project to another and just making each one better, but it's never going to be perfect. And it's a constant evolution and allowing it to be progress, not perfection. That's been kind of the biggest challenge for me is, you know, because I come from that competitive kind of wanting it to be just so exact. And I have a moon in Virgo, so I'm very meticulous allowing things to to celebrate my victories of just doing it, you know, like to be like, mm. you know what, no matter if it was perfect or not, I put myself out there and, and I was brave and I did it. And that's something that I should feel victorious of. And then I'll learn and the next one will be better. And so far it has been. So I think if I just continue on that path and think like that, then things will look up and it's just one step at a time. And Anything is possible when you really like, you know, move grassroots and and um, move from from your from your love. Yes, Nathan, I love that, and I and I so appreciate the the like giving yourself like celebrating things. That's the other thing I've noticed in my teachings and a lot of a lot of my teacher trainings. How critical! How it's so easy to go critical. It's so easy to see all the the ways you aren't succeeding and when you do it feel people people haven't it's like taking a compliment people have just not been taught like take the compliment it's a generous thing that somebody's giving and for you to just like diminish it or like even deny it is is not doing anybody any good but we're not taught that so it, i think it's so important what you said i hope everybody's listening to that to celebrate the little things the little wins even if it wasn't exactly as you had planned and this is another another reason i think we need to have like an expansive idea of what success is and if success to me is like i'm doing what i love and I'm able to, and I, and I, from the very beginning, it was like, if I could teach one person in front of me, I'm going to be excited to teach that one person. Yeah. And what I try and teach my teachers is like, you need to, I, I can't tell you to do it, but really try and feel that excitement for the one person who showed up as opposed to being disappointed that you didn't have 10 people in the room. Because if you celebrate those little moments and don't have this kind of idea of what is this measured success, you are going to have just renewable energy to continue. The people that get burnt out, I think, are like what you, like if you had continued down that very competitive track because there's an idea of what is accepted and what is not as accepted uh, as success. On that vein, I'd love to know what is your idea of your goal, for lack of a better word? What is your goal with this company? And talk a little bit about uh, the Hive Dance experience, like what, how you came up with that name? What is your mission with it? Yeah, absolutely. You know, just a little pragmatic thing before I talk about that. After every meeting that I do now, and really after every step forward in my mission, I will repeat victory, victory 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 and sometimes i'll like bring my arms up and like add like a little arm movement and just be like victory victory because there is there's the momentum to that celebration 
And there's also a magnetism to it. You know, the students are going to want to learn from a teacher who's radiant and happy. So you're so right. It's like you celebrate that one person that's there and then more people will get drawn to that energy and that celebration that you're creating. Um, Exactly. So our mission for Hive Creates is to create and assist the making of art that elevates global consciousness. So in that, we have a couple buckets. One of the buckets is Hive Mind. And Hive Mind is a support program for artists who want to make that work, but maybe need some help in taking the bold step from the path of familiarity to the path of the unknown of your own destiny. Um, So that's Hive Mind. And it's an incredible group of colorful, radiant, interdisciplinary artists who are looking to redefine and also who just want to stop giving such a damn and just make the things they love. And then Mm -hmm. another bucket we have is Hive Creative Company. So Hive Creative Company is a group of also interdisciplinary multimedia artists who are looking to make art that elevates global consciousness. And the reason why I'm interested in that is because, you know, I'm scrolling through Netflix as one does. And I'm just being like, I don't like any of this. (laughs) I think that a lot of the art that's being made is not elevated. It doesn't make you feel better. But we don't just want to meditate and do yoga all the time. We also want something that's entertaining and something that excites us and inspires us. So I'm really interested in the combination of the two. How can art simultaneously be a ritual that guides you to your own fulfillment and awakening, but also be entertaining and a story and visually attractive and interesting and dope, just dope, you know? So (laughs) yeah, I love it. We make films and installations and performance projects. And then we also hold residencies and space for artists that we feel are doing this work to create and hold festivals for their um, creations to be seen. So that's Hive Creative Company. Let me interrupt here for a moment because let's just say somebody's listening and all that sounded wonderful, but they're like, what do you mean by raising global consciousness? What does that mean on a, a manifestation level? Like what, what, is, what, do, what do you picture when you, when you say those words? Creating happier people. That's kind of what I mean. Mm. You know, I feel like another word for raising global consciousness is just providing things and experiences and art that makes people feel better and benefits sentient beings. So I'm into benefiting sentient beings and making things. I am too. Amen, brother. That's like, that's ultimately my ultimate, you know, everything I'm doing is all directed at pointing the, pointing the finger at, at the ones who, who need the most help, which is all of the, the animals who have no voice and how, and the, and the, and mother earth, how we have exploited all of that. And, yeah, when you the thing is when you are awake, when you are in that space where you are living your purpose, I think it's everything is clearer. You're in alignment and your choices usually reflect that. And then you get a lot of people doing that and that there's 
And we see that there's waves of this kind of movement happening for animals, for Black Lives Matter, for all kinds of different groups that have been marginalized, disenfranchised, or really oppressed and and, and abused. Um, But I think, yeah, a lot more needs to be done. Yeah. So an example of a project we have coming up is I'm taking a cinematographer and some dancers to Costa Rica, and we are collaborating with an organization there called Community Carbon Trees. And they have planted over 500,000 trees on the equator in Costa Rica. Mm. So we are creating a film about them and also about the connection between nature and the human. And it's going to be not just a kind of typical documentary. It'll be inspiring. It'll be a story. It'll be entertaining. But also all of the proceeds that we make from that show will go directly to their organization. So that's just an example of the kinds of projects that we're looking to create, really intersecting community, activism, consciousness, and creativity, and just making art that makes people feel better. That's really the whole goal. And we want galleries, we want installations, we want the stuff in museums, we want it on the streets, we want it in nature, we want it in theaters. Like I really have a big vision around this and we are just at the beginning, but we're moving in the right direction step by step. And then the last kind of bucket of Hive Creates as of now is um, Hive Schools, which is still being developed, but Hive Schools will be a kind of full curriculum um, for creatives to learn the art making in a new way, to learn art making with the prioritization that they connect to their authentic spirit and their authentic creative love and interests rather than trying to achieve some social or cultural ideal or trend. That's beautiful. You should really meet my our dear friend, Zoe Weil, who started the Institute for Humane Education. And it is very similar with the goal that that learning shouldn't just be random or just like it's so much of it is is actually quite boring. But if we infused lessons of environmentalism, of speciesism and all kinds of things in the in the education, kids are going to be growing up innately as activists. You know, like you were saying how you're looking at Netflix and there's nothing really that's speaking to this. Yeah, you can be entertained, but why not be entertained and then also be inspired to do something or be a part of a movement that is going to raise this global consciousness. So I will have to hook you two up together because she's been doing this for like 35 years and is very successful with and has written a lot of books. So speaking of books, tell me about your book. This is outside of your your um, high production, yeah? Yeah, this is um, a project coming kind of through Nathan Hershout, but it is the thing that ties everything together. It's the baseboard of all of the projects. It is redefining what the path is of becoming an artist and creating a toolkit and guide and landmarkers for um, what it is to forge your own path. So I've broken the creative process up sequentially 
really just through researching my own experience of creating, right? Like I haven't written this book through studying all these different pedagogies of different creative experts. I've written this book because I've created a lot of stuff and I've made a lot of mistakes and I don't want other people to have to make those mistakes. Um, so it's, it's a, it's a journey into, into creating projects that are aligned and that also are financially frugal and that also are feel successful just in any way in which you want that to be. So that, that's what the book is. And it's, it's really been a enlightening experience of creating this, this new way of looking at some of these com- common concepts. Like I was just, uh, I just had an interview earlier today and we were talking about the idea of kind of refinement and professionalism and how kind of typically we understand that to be kind of getting closer to some idea of, you know, everything is very perfect. Everything is tucked in, you know, you got your blazer on kind of that being a metaphor for your project. And I'm redefining refinement as getting closer to the spirit of what you're trying to communicate. So that refinement doesn't mean that you pigeonhole yourself into this one idea of what you think professionalism looks like, but you can still refine and be very specific and articulate, but you're actually getting closer to the authentic message that you're carrying which then I think will create a much more diverse array of perspectives and of artistic expression. Mm. So tell us about your day, like when you're writing your book or working on your entrepreneurial projects, what is it that you do that is is kind of a non-negotiable in terms of staying true and aligned and and being in touch with that that spirit? Yeah, I do a kundalini yoga practice every morning. I have um, a two-hour satna, um, which is meditation and yoga. And I do it in the Amrit Vela, which is the hours, um, two hours before the sun rises. And that's been my practice for two to three years now. And that is a non-negotiable. That is how I set myself up for my day. It creates um, a profound level of awareness and clarity throughout my day and really gives me the chi and vitality to hold this vision. I mean, even just in holding the kind of scale of this vision, it's like you think about it and you just kind of want to collapse and faint. You could crumple. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure yeah. you know that feeling. So yeah. um so it really it sets me up. But, but you know, I want to say even with daily practices and and such, it doesn't need to be long. It just needs to be consistent and it just needs to work for you. And it's one step at a time in the right direction. I didn't start with a two-hour practice. I started with a three-minute practice doing basic breathing on like headspace. So, you know, I think that it's a development and it's a journey for yourself. But I think we just want to make sure that we're not getting kind of overwhelmed by it. And instead, we're just doing something that is practical and that we can do in the kind of life that we have right now, like make it reasonable so that you can feel that victory and then you can build on that victory. I love that. That's such what those are such wise words. I, I always look at it like you're tending the fire. You don't have to like torch it, but you don't want to let it go either. And I think what you said is so important. It's the it's the consistency more than the duration that is really important. 
because that consistency ultimately is fueling you. And that's, and then you come to your day with such energy and clarity and, and, you know, Nathan, but anybody who is an entrepreneur, they're, um, you're going to have real dips in energy if you don't take care of yourself because there, there's always something you could be doing. <laughs> always. And you know that I'm, I'm like you. I have a non-negotiable. I move every day. It doesn't have to be two hours. Sometimes it's two hours. Sometimes it's... Usually it's at least 30 minutes for me. I can't really not do 30 minutes. And I can't even remember the last time I did that. But you know, it's also part of what I'm doing. So it doesn't feel like... I have to like, you know, set a timer and then sit down at a computer for eight hours. I'm moving throughout my day as well. And so that's the other recommendation I make is really set yourself up for success. It, you know, if you're, especially if you're younger or even if you're not, even if you're in a job and I have people all the time, what do I do if I hate my job? And I'm like, that sounds like you're, you're answering your own question. You don't want to hate what you do. There are there are challenges and all that, but um, your your job, your passion, the whatever way you make money, should really not be draining you, and and whatever you're doing as your self care should be an absolute uh, non negotiable so that you can bring that into your life. Yeah, my friend Shakti Sita says, "Don't negotiate with hostages." <laughs> Meaning, when you wake up and you hear that voice, you just don't negotiate; you just do it. Yeah. You just get out of bed and that's it. Well, that's wonderful. I would love to, before we find out where we can, everyone can hear more or learn more about you, I would love to know what would you say to your 12 year old self, you know, who is in that, like on that path and, and perfection, perfection? If you could, you know, sit next to your 12 year old self, what would you say? I love how it's 12 year old for me because I'm 21. Normally it would be like, what would you say to your 21 year old self? Yes. <laughs> I know exactly. You're so young. I don't even know what I'd say to my 21 year old self. I can't remember back. <laughs> it's hilarious. I would say, let every part of you be included in you. You don't have to choose. You don't have to narrow yourself. There's no one you have to prove yourself to. Just do everything you love and let the art project be. How does that all come together? That's your research. That's your exploration. That's your business. That's the art project. So just giving myself permission to be all of the things. But I would also tell myself, you know... Just keep going. Just keep going. Mm. You're passionate. You love what you do. People are going to make fun of you. You're a gay dancer. You know, you're obsessed with what you do. You know, you're a very interesting 12 year old. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But I would just give myself permission to be that and say that Mm -hmm. that's, that's what makes you special. That's what makes you unique. And that's just who you are. And there's no denying that. So own it. And, um, you know, <laughs> I don't know if I'm allowed to swear on here, but F the haters. Of course. <laughs> okay, fuck the yeah, haters. Yeah, because fuck the ha- absolutely. eventually, and this has happened, they're going to be your clients one day. Mm-hmm. I believe it. Oh, well, you are so special, Nathan. What a wonderful treat for me to sit here and learn more about you. And where can everyone else learn more about you? 
How can they find you? You too. It's been so nice to have this conversation. I hope to have you on my podcast one day when when we start it. Sign me up. I'll be there. Yeah. Amazing. Um, so the only social media I really use is Instagram. And you can find me on there at Nathan Hirschout. And then our website is hivecreates.com. That's kind of the umbrella company. And within that, you'll find all of our programs and all of the buckets that fall underneath that. And then you can find the company Hive Creative Company on Instagram and then Hive Mind Program. And then we haven't made the Hive School one yet. That's still that's still in vision. Um, and then my book, The Artist's Quest, will come out um, this coming spring. So just stay tuned for that. Wow, congratulations. Well, everybody go look up Nathan because he is... We can say we knew him when. (laughs) Seriously. Thank you so much for being here today, Nathan. It was really a treat. Thank you. And thank you all for listening. And as always, I'm pulling for you. 